Shalom, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. We believe the Torah is relevant for our lives today, God's teachings and instructions. You may very well be part of the first generation to be born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, and have the Torah, a Christian with Torah. Join us as we honor the living God through the study of His Word, topical conversations, and interviews with special guests. Please welcome our hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom, everybody, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Bait to Heal Community Podcast. I'm your co-host, Ryan Cabrera, and I am in Studio B with Pastor Nick Plummer. That's right. This is Studio B. Hey, Pastor Nick. This is great to be here. It is. This is great to be here. And to have three studios is really great. It is pretty cool. Studio C is a little chilly. Right now it is. Yeah. I did. I'll tell you what. Studio C, which is our fellowship hall, which is that way. Uh, we were in there, and I got there before Pastor Nick did. Normally, he gets in there and turns on the heat. It was like, what, 45 degrees in there when I went in there? Which yeah. I know some of you that watch this or listen to this are thinking 45 degrees is not cold, but we live in Florida, in central Florida, so it's... Yeah, I had our meat hanging up in there. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It was cold. So a uh, couple things going on around here at Beit Tehila. Um, we have a purity conference, the first ever purity conference for Beit Tehila community. Uh, it'll be held on January 9th and 10th. That's our Shabbat service. And then an all-day uh, Sunday event. You can find more information about it online at our website. We do have a very special guest, uh, Pam Stenzel, who will be speaking. This is geared towards youth and young adults. However, we believe this information is great for everyone over the age of, say, it's 12, 13. all about 13. Yeah, exactly right. Saving yourself. Biblical... Uh, relationships and things like that, you know, waiting for marriage, yeah. all that kind of stuff. So we're excited about the event. We hope that you guys tune in um, or at least come to it if you're in the area. Invite, you know, everybody. We're inviting local churches and stuff to join us as well. Uh, also, we got mail. We got a package. <laughs> I feel like Blue's Clues. Yeah. Mail time. We got, we got a, a goodie box. Now, listen, I want to apologize in advance. Because I think I'm about to absolutely butcher your name, but I want to know you know that I appreciate you and I appreciate you sending this. But it's uh, from Per Arne Kavamsu, I believe is the way that you that pronounce it. That sounds good. This is all the way from Norway. Has the customs declaration and everything on it. Um, I I believe you sent me an email probably what a year and a half ago, something like that. So I wanted to open this. Thank you for the gift and show you our appreciation. We're out opening uh, it for the first time here live. Yeah, that's right. What's well, live for us? Uh, boom. And look at this. Wow. Oh, it's chocolate. I'm not ch- worthy. Ch- Whoa, come on now. There's a whole... Sm- look at that. Okay, wow. you can. I'll let you hold one. Oh, my goodness gracious. One for you, three for me. Look at this. How cool is that? So it's uh, milk chocolate, <laughs> which I'm guessing is milk chocolate, right? Right there. Wow. Um, yeah, which is pretty cool. Um, I'm going to just sit this right here. This nice little little stack of yeah, uh, yeah this little this, milk this could chocolate. be like our sponsor. Our sponsor this half hour is wow, that's really nice. Yeah, thank you so much. We greatly appreciate it, man. I'll tell you what, nothing like makes me feel like we're actually doing something around here, but by somebody sending us something for all the way from Norway. All the way from Norway. What a gift! Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you guys. That is cool. We appreciate you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being yeah. in your Hebrew roots. But I guess what? The best gift that I can give anybody today is to talk about this Torah portion. Let's do it. It's Vayagash, which means, and he approached. Who approached? Judah. Who did he approach? Joseph. I mean, when I talk about Torah portions, this is like, man, the one that you want to bookmark, right? And so this can be found in the book of Genesis, starting in chapter 44, 
uh, in verse 18 and ending in chapter 47 and verse 27. We're just going to jump right into the uh, to the plot here um, because this is so important that uh, we really get it. It's so relevant even for today. So once again, uh, Judah's going to come close to Joseph to speak with him. Judah approaches Joseph. And as Judah shared with Joseph all of the circumstances involved with the brothers and their father, he wanted to take the place of Benjamin to be Joseph's bondman. Uh, Genesis chapter 44, verses 19 through 34. So once again, uh, as Judah shared with Joseph all of the circumstances involved with the brothers and their father, he wanted to take the place of Benjamin to be Joseph's bondman. So real quick, if you guys remember last week's Torah portion, Miketz, at the end of At the end of the Torah portion, um, Judah, uh, or Joseph, basically had planted a cup in Benjamin's bag. They cut it open. They discovered that it was there. Set him up, right? Right. And uh, right before that, what did they say? They said, hey, if you find this stuff in our our sacks, let that person die. Let that person die. And to their horror, it was in Benjamin's sack. But that was their idea of trying to prove that they were right. Correct. You're not going to find a cup. Exactly right. So now... Joseph has called them all back. They've yes. been basically arrested, and they're coming before Joseph at this point. And Judah, you know, is is going to him and pleading his case. He's pleading. He's saying, look, you, we came here. All we want to do is give you money for some grain. You asked us about our dad and our brother. We told you. Then you said, bring him here. And we told you all of these things, and now you're trying to make the worst possible circumstance for us come true. Oh, yeah. So he's, he's laying the case out before Joseph at this point. Well, the good news is... And, and at that point, he throws himself on the table and says, look, well, I'll stand in the boy's way. Well, don't yeah. take him, take but, me. But, but Joseph's not going to kill anybody. Well, of course not. He, yeah, he yeah. says, if you don't bring him back, I'm going to kill you. You're yeah. going to die. <laughs> but they bring back the younger brother. Yeah. They find the cup. He says, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. This is Joseph calling all the shots now. Joseph is in the, he's in the driver's seat. Yeah. And he's going to tell them, listen, I'm going to keep Benjamin as my servant. All of you go back to your father. Yeah. So it was the last and final test. Sure. So Judah steps up. Judah valued Benjamin more than himself. He did. Yeah. You know, I was just thinking about this verse um, right here in Philippians 2, 3, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Yeah. So think more highly of others than you do yourself. Think think of them. Yeah. You know, and, and I love the, the saying that goes like this. Do unto others as you would like for them to do unto you. Well, they but say, maybe they don't. They say, and I don't know who they are necessarily, but they say that the definition of maturity is thinking of others 51% of the time, at least— and yourself 49, right? So that when you're thinking of others that's more than point. you think of yourself, that's the definition of maturity. And what does is, what is Ephraim need more than anything? They need maturity, right? Right. And if that's the definition of maturity, I couldn't agree that's more. That's true. Now, so. uh, Judah's also making good on his promise to his father right. in this case, because he put himself on the line before he left saying, no, 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 listen, if anything happens to Benjamin— you know, it, you can on me. hold my because Reuben offered up his two sons. He did, but Judah offered up himself. Right, and then and yeah. literally he's making good on that. Promise and and now. he's the third. He's actually the fourth in line because there's Reuben, Simeon, Levi, then Judah. Right, because Joseph's out of the picture. He's the one brother that's missing. Right. So we move on to where uh, this is the final test. Uh, Judah 
approaches Joseph, which is very, very cool. And so Joseph reveals himself to his brothers in, in Genesis 45. And of course, uh, this is what Joseph told every man to do, uh, except his brothers, when he could not refrain himself anymore and cried. This is, this is what he did. He said, go out from me. Right. So this is a mishpacha family reunion. Yeah. Not everybody's invited. Right. You know, when you think about the Hebrews, the Christian faith movement, if you think about the restoration, the regathering of the whole house of Israel, it's quite a feat. It's going to be just for the house of Israel, the Commonwealth of Israel, those that have a right action, you know, which is kind of interesting. That's how this reunion is even happening now with uh, the, the Jews actually coming to us and to our congregation, right. extending a hand as we have uh, reciprocated uh, mutual respect uh, for Judaism and the Jewish people, and they have a mutual respect for, uh, for Christianity and for our New Testament. Now, Joseph wept aloud, and the Egyptians, along with the house of Pharaoh, heard it. Yeah. He was wailing. He was crying. Yeah, this is interesting, because think about it. Uh, the fact that Judah has learned his lesson. You know, Joseph has waited a long time for this. And I think part of Joseph probably wanted his brothers to fail the test so that he could get some sort of retribution, right? At least if I was in that position, that's kind of how I would think. Well, he's, the whole point is, did they learn their lesson? So the, the, they did. They passed the test. Uh, and Judah himself lays himself on the line. And this moves Joseph so much that he's literally weeping aloud, so much so that everyone can hear it. I yeah. vote I vote that we read these verses real quick, just maybe one through four. What do you say? You want to read Genesis 45? One through four. Yeah. Yeah, let's just do that. One we through got... four. I sure. just think this is like, it's, it's, I would it's actually good. encourage everyone to read the whole Torah portion. Um, right. Because this, this one, yeah. this one just like. It's the climax. Oh, man. All right. So it says here in uh, chapter 45, verse one, then Joseph could not refrain himself before all of them that stood by him. And he cried. Cause every man to go out from me. And there stood no man with him while Joseph made himself known to his brethren. And he wept aloud, and the Egyptians and the house of Pharaoh heard. And Joseph said unto his brethren, I am Joseph. Doth my father yet live? And his brethren could not answer him, for they were troubled at his presence. And Joseph said unto his brethren, Come near to me, I pray thee. And they came near. And he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. Ani Yosef, right? right? I am Joseph. So literally to them, their brother has come back from the dead. He's the most powerful man they've ever met because he is second only to Pharaoh in Egypt, and they're standing there before him. And hey, look, they thought they were just getting jerked around by some guy that was you know, an, on an ego trip. Now they realize, oh, geez, I actually threw this guy in a pit, sold him off to slavery— right. And now, now you, re, look you at reap him. what you sow. So here's a good example of grace. So they were troubled at his presence. Mercy and grace, right. grace and mercy. You know, it's interesting because uh, actually in verse four of chapter 45, Joseph said unto his brethren, come near to me. See, so now he's drawing closer. Yeah. And some of the Jewish sages say that, that he showed his circumcision. Oh, right. Because, you know. That's proof. It's proof because the Egyptians don't circumcise, yeah. only the Hebrews. So Joseph told his brethren, Now therefore be not grieved nor angry with yourselves that you sold me hither, for God did send me before you to preserve life. Praise God. Now, when you talk about birthing an Ishmael, that was birthing an Ishmael. That was not God's doing. When you see Rebekah taking Jacob to steal you know, Esau's blessing to pretend like he's Esau. Yeah. That's not God's plan. No. Uh, but when you see the story of Joseph, 
it was preordained. Joseph simply just fell into line with everything that was happening. Sure. And he had favor and all of that as he, as he moved along the line there. Uh, and then, of course, the famine at the time of the reunion of Joseph and his brethren was two years, and, his, and he had five more years to go. So when the brethren come, it's been two years into the famine. There's five left to go. So Joseph was 39 years old when his brethren came to him. If you do the math, it's quite interesting. Joseph was thrown into the pit when he was 17. Yeah. So if you take 17, and now he's 39. That's 22 years. That's 22 years. And this is what he says in Genesis 45, 7. And God sent me before you to preserve, put for you a remnant, you a posterity in the earth, and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So once again, Joseph is a major player. He knew his brothers. He knew who his brothers were, but his brothers didn't know who he was. It's kind of interesting with this whole identity thing. Even us. Hey, I thought I was Catholic, and you thought you were a Methodist, and yeah. And here we are. We're we're part of the Commonwealth of Israel. We're Amen. grafted in. And and a lot of the Orthodox Jews would look at us and say uh, they would believe that we are considered righteous Gentiles. Yeah. So everyone's got a, a name or a title or whatever, uh, a place. But I find it interesting that um, that this story unfolds just like Moses you know, was not the prince of Egypt. He was a Hebrew. Right. So once we realize who we are, there has to be a right action. So as we develop the storyline, it's quite fascinating. So I believe that the whole house of Israel is made up of Jews and non-Jews. And then we can go from there and decide certain things. So Joseph wanted his brethren to quickly go and get their father and bring him back to Egypt to show that he was Lord of all, or Lord of all Egypt. Yeah. And uh, Joseph wanted his brethren and their families to dwell in the land of Goshen. Hey, get get dad, get get all, get your kids, get your families, and come back. So Joseph fell on Benjamin's neck and he wept, and Benjamin did the same. And then Joseph kissed all his brethren as he wept. Yeah. So there's this great family reunion. That's this is happening. pretty cool. Yeah. And it's taking place. And so, um, which actually, is better than the situation where he would have taken well, retribution on them? Well, if you th- yeah, praise that, God, that, that's true. How this story plays out, it's really quite fascinating. And and just a reminder, Ryan. This reunion takes place outside of the land of Israel. Sure does. Just like now. Yeah. We're already getting some emails and some some dates for some Orthodox Jews that want to come visit visit us this summer. Yeah. And I always say, watch out for the summer months. So so that's the cool thing. Uh, and and of course, you know, Joseph is second in command under Pharaoh, and uh, and of course he has the favor of Pharaoh at this point. Right. So much so that Pharaoh wanted Joseph's family to move to Egypt. Right. So he sees this going on. Joseph's family, they're reunited. He has no problems with that. Uh, Joseph is all part of his administration, calling the shots through the, the plenty, and now the famine is kicking in, and, and Pharaoh sees his leadership skills, see, see what he's doing. He has the favor. So Pharaoh gave Joseph's family wagons to bring them back to Egypt. He even gives them, you know, wagons, you know. Uh, It's interesting that when Nehemiah came back to check out Jerusalem and the city walls and all of that, uh, he was given supplies. Yeah. You know, whenever you get a vision from God, there's always provision. Yep. Vision brings provision. provision. Amen. So, So we have God's interest in mind. Even as we share this Torah portion with all of you that are watching or listening, uh, this one's for you. This is relevant for today. And, uh, you know, Joseph not only gave his brethren provision for the journey back, but gave them raiment or clothing as well. So he gave them this provision. And as they're putting all this together, this big entourage in the wagons, uh, what did Joseph give Benjamin, his younger brother? 
Well, he gave him 300 pieces of silver and five changes of raiment. Of now, remember, when they came back and he set up the supper table, he yeah. put them in their birth order, he gave Benjamin five times more of the food than they got. That's right. So, like I was saying, five steaks, five things of mashed potatoes, and five milkshakes. <laughs> that's quite absurd, you know? It is, yeah. Like, wow, you know, uh, that's unheard of, especially in my house. Um and so this is what was happening. So, so uh, Pharaoh gives wagons. Joseph starts to get some supplies together. Uh, this is what he sent to his father, Joseph. Uh, ten donkeys laden with good things of Egypt and ten she-donkeys laden with corn, bread, and meat. Awesome, right? So that's going to be there for their family to sustain them and to bring them back. Yeah. Now, you know, it's interesting to see how long it would take, but they are down south and not that far away. Sure. It would be interesting how long it would take. Uh, to 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 walk, you know, when you do a lot of this GPS stuff, it, it shows you, you know, how long it takes if you're on a bike, or walking, yeah, or um, or riding a car. It was interesting. So there's a Foundation Coffee over by your house, yes. And so I was thinking, from my house, you know, it just came up like this because I was just looking for the. They didn't have a phone. Yeah, I don't think they have a phone. You can't call them. Because I was looking for some Brazilian coffee that they might have. Got it. It didn't Got work. It. Yeah. So I saw on the GPS where the place was, because I know where it's at. Yeah. But it showed me it would take me three and a half hours to walk there. Wow. Like 35 minutes on a bike. And, I don't, and like it's not even that a car. far. Yeah, but I'm saying it's like straight up Bell Shoals. Yeah. So once again, we just kind of went off track here. But how long <laughs> would it take to go from Beersheba, right, to Egypt? Yeah. Well, Goshen's the north, so... Yeah. That's where they would camp out or whatever, or they would live there. So uh, moving on here. So when Jacob's sons came back and told him that Joseph was alive, uh, did the father believe them? No, he definitely doesn't believe them. Think about it. In his mind, his sons had told him the truth, that they had, you know, that uh, Joseph was killed by, you know, a pack of wolves or, you know, by a wild beast. And they brought the bloodstained That's right. coat to him. So in his mind, again, his son has perished. So to come back and they'd be like, not only is your son alive, but he's prime minister, basically, of Egypt. And oh, by the way, he just gave us all of this to bring to you so and this, wants you this to come is back gonna, and This is going to be their third trip, isn't it? This is a dream come this true. This is the third yeah. trip. Three is divine of the Lord. The Hallelujah. first time they went to get the food, they got in trouble. Yep. They went back. Then they came and got some more food. Then they got in trouble. Yep. Then they had to come back this third time. This time there's a revelation. This time. Divine of the Lord. Under different circumstances. Yeah, and, 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 this is what it says. And told him, saying, Joseph is yet alive, and he is governor over all the land of Egypt. And Jacob's heart fainted, for he believed them not. Right? So he believed them not. And uh, it's interesting that um, as we look at uh, Genesis chapter 45, verses 27 20, as we continue this, this, these scriptures. And they told him all the words of Joseph, which he had said unto them. And when he saw the wagons, which Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of Jacob, their father, revived and Israel said, it is enough. Joseph, my son, is yet alive. I will go and see him before I die. You know, uh, people think that the 10 lost tribes are lost forever. Right. God knows where they are. God knows where they yeah. are. You know, so as I look at some of these scriptures and that word revived, it's very interesting because the same word is used in Hosea chapter 6 and verse 2. But let me read verses 1 through 3. Hosea 6, 1 through 3. Here we go. Are you ready? I'm ready. I'm now, stoked. <laughs> he thinks Joseph is dead. Yeah. So right now, everybody thinks the whole house of Israel is are just the Jews. Right. It's just the Jews. That's all there is. Jews meaning no Judeans, no Southern Kingdom. Yeah. That's it. 
but the world's in for a big surprise. They sure are. So this is what it says in Hosea 6.1. Come and let us return unto the Lord, for he hath torn, and he will heal us. He hath smitten, and he will bind us up. Hosea 6.2. After two days will he revive us. The same word used two to, days. to a define day is a thousand years, his response. A thousand years is one day. It's 2020. What? You know, think about it. I'd have to say, because of my experience with the Hebrews of the Christian faith movement after being in Christianity, truly revived me. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It put a pep in my step. Definitely. It says, after two days will he revive us. Now, if, if a day is still is a thousand years, a thousand years is this one day, why are we suddenly now in Jeremiah 31, 31 and Hebrews 8, discovering that after those days, I'll write my Torah on minds and hearts. So we're celebrating our 21st anniversary. Is it after those two days? Day. So after two days, he... He will revive us. In the third day, he will raise us up and we shall live in his sight. What? Then shall we know if we follow on to know the Lord, his going forth is prepared as the morning and he shall come unto us as the rain, as the latter and former rain unto the earth. It's like two trips to earth. So as we uncover this incredible story here, Ryan, I'm telling you, it's really quite fascinating. That is fascinating. I mean, because like I said, right now, it's kind of like, you know, when Israel became a nation, people were blown away. Yeah. It totally changed eschatology and oh, prophecies. Absolutely. Everything. Like, oh, God's not done with the Jewish people. Right. He's given them a state. Why? You know, they're not perfect. The government is secular. Matter of fact, they're going to have elections again in yeah, March. Yeah, in March. So what I'm saying is that, wow, how fascinating is this when all of a sudden all these people come out of the nations that are mature and responsible. Right. And they're revived. So one of the things that we get accused of is replacement theology, right. right? And I think it's important to just take a minute to just note what we're not saying. That's right? true. I think it's important to note that the Jewish people, we believe, uh, are God's chosen people. And the word Jewish and the word Israel truly, truly are, chosen. Are, are used in several different contexts, and you have to understand the context to understand who we're talking about here. And I think that's uh, an unfortunate reality that we have to deal with because it does lead to some misunderstandings and misconstruing and things like that. That's so, right. But let Scripture interpret Scripture. Well, like, for example, when we say that the whole house of Israel is not made up of just Jews, right? What we're referring to is the Judeans, the southern kingdom, Judah, so to speak, the Yehudi, right? That's the Jewish people. The northern kingdom was, you know, sent into the uttermost parts of the earth, the, right. the, the quote-unquote lost ten tribes. That's right. Those tribes were collectively called Israel. And throughout Scripture, after the split of the kingdom, you go back and forth, it says, you know, the house of Judah and the house of Israel, as two different groups of people That's that, the are, only way it'll work, Ryan. that are distinct from each other. And so we go between, hey, the, the you know, contemporary connotation of saying the Jews, meaning anybody descendant from the people of the Bible, which is kind of how it's used in general today, to a biblical historical understanding of the Jewish people being the descendants of the Judeans, the southern kingdom, and then the northern kingdom being this other group of people, Israel. And, and so it to makes speak. perfect sense. And so it here's does. the thing though, Ryan, it, it's really worth noting that we don't need to debate it. It's no, so there's true. Nothing, yeah, there's nothing but here's to the thing, Ryan, who's gonna live it? Right. Who's going to do it? Right. Who's going to be it? Well, right. That's not it, even to say how do right we action. become part of Israel. I'm just showing just the distinction between the you know the Jewish the Jewish people, the Judeans, and Israel from a biblical historical context because we use these a lot of times interchangeably 
in, incorrectly. Well, I think that's the, the problem is the yeah. commentary is all wrong. There's a lot of question marks about commentary. So here we are. We're being raised up. We were born for such a time as this. And, and I can share this truth. Right. But And I've had people agree with me, but they don't want to live it. They don't want to participate. Which is, which is kind They're of— They're like, you know what? That's yeah. good for you, Nick. I, we get what you're doing. We, we understand. But I, I'm not— I'm not going there. I don't. I don't feel led to go there, and and that's fine with me. I would say for me, that's got to be one of my biggest disappointments, if I were to say, because I get so excited about this, the fact that Yeshua has given us a new name and right. has grafted us into Israel, that we're part of Israel, and that because of that, we're part of His kingdom, which is Israel, and that understanding is so relevant to me. It's such a big deal. It has impacted my life and the way I live so much that when I give that revelation to someone else, right, I don't want to say throwing pearls before swine because I would never consider any of the people that haven't gotten it necessarily swine. I'm not just right. telling the general public. Yeah. But it's frustrating when they don't catch on to it the way that you do. Well, maybe it's, it's the thought of don't give something that's holy to them if they call it profane. Right, exactly. Okay, let's get into Genesis chapter 46. Uh, Jacob and his family moved to Egypt, Ryan. Uh, we're at the bottom of page yep, two. Yep. Go ahead and take it from there, because now right. we're having a serious family reunion here. Yeah, absolutely. So chapter 46 is Jacob and his family moved to Egypt, which is uh, an exciting turn of events. Uh, on Jacob's way back to meet Joseph, he first went to Beersheba and offered sacrifices unto the God of his father, Isaac. What a good idea that is. <laughs> from Dan to Beersheba. I just, you know, whenever big things are happening, to stop and acknowledge God I think uh, not enough can be said. And that's about what the that. Sabbath is. We stop and acknowledge the exactly day. And right. God, you know, that Beersheba is interesting where I got the revelation that Beit Tehillah belongs to Yahweh. Right. You know, because from the Hebrews, the Christian faith movement is, is Beit Tehillah come. Right, because there's you know. a lot of stuff within the Hebrews movement that we didn't really want to associate with. And I think, with. if I'm not mistaken, it's <laughs> one of the fifth, yeah, one of the fifth largest cities, uh, of course, down south in all of Israel. Yeah. I think it's one of the fifth largest ones. And uh, the first uh, prime minister, David Ben-Gurion, really wanted that to to develop yeah. with uh, technology and farming and drip irrigation and everything. So yeah, what do. else do you have they're here for us? Because so, God's going to speak to Jacob. He is. God that's, is going to speak That's comforting. To He's not only going to be reunited with his son, but God's going to speak to him. Yeah, this is, this is great. Um, Genesis chapter 46, verses 2 through 4 says, And God spake unto Israel in the visions of the night and said, Jacob, Jacob. And he said, Here am I. And he said, I am God, the God of thy father. Fear not to go down into Egypt, for I will there make thee a great nation. I will go down with thee into Egypt, and I will also surely bring thee up again. And Joseph shall put his hand upon thine eyes. Now, what an awesome promise, but I think that this is worth noting that God himself is making that decision. You may have heard the saying that, you know, uh, Israel went into Egypt as a family and left Egypt as a nation. And there it is. That's God's promise to them that they go in as a family and they come out as a nation. And so he went down uh, 70, with 70 souls to the house of um, 70 souls of the house of Jacob came with him into Egypt. You know, I want to ask you a question about this. It says, and Joseph shall put his hand upon thine eyes. Is that to close his eyes upon his death? So that's the last thing that Joseph would see or that's the last thing Jacob would see. That's a great question. 
Thank you for asking. I mean, it's a cultural thing. I don't know. I just, I after no all idea. the years, I just looked at that. Like, you know, when someone passes away and you close yeah. their eyes. You know what? That could be our email prompt for the week. I don't know. I'm Send just me saying. an email, ryan at topraise.net. I want to know if you've done any research on. And Joseph shall put that. his hand upon thine eyes. Yeah. So Joseph will be the last thing that Jacob sees. Yeah. Which is, he thought he would never see him again. And that comes from uh, good. the verses in 46, 2 through 4. So yeah. chapter 46, yeah, 2 verse through 4. Yeah, verse 4, yeah. All right, I'm sorry, just carry on. No, I would love I'm to gonna, know I'm going to look into that. Yeah. Well, don't get carried away. Maybe they've got an answer. Okay, you know? I can wait. Maybe they got I've got answer. plenty to do. i got a newborn. <laughs> so um, Jacob sent Judah ahead to Joseph. So there's 70 souls of the house of Jacob came into Egypt, 70? Says, you know, if are you there count 70 them, nations? There are. If you count them, it says it's actually 69. But I'm thinking maybe Joseph was included in that number. Yeah, that's true. You know? He just went ahead of them. Yeah, exactly. He got to Egypt first. Yeah. <laughs> One... But it, you know what's cool, though? I love these things in the Bible because it lists the names of, of all of them, which is pretty cool. That's true. Um, and so, well, here's a good question. What well, did Joseph do when he met his father? Well, he fell on his neck and wept. But I want to remind all of you that Jacob sent Judah ahead to Joseph. As, yeah. So there's, there's, okay, Joseph has the birthright, but supposedly he's dead. Right. But he still has it. So now he's got Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and Judah. Right. Those are the first four children from Leah. So he sends he sends Judah ahead to Joseph. So yeah, he, he's like the point man now. Yeah, he's he's accepted that responsibility from his dad, which is kind of cool. Yeah, well, and you know, for, it says Jacob sent Judah. Ahead geographically, to the tribe of Benjamin is part of right. Judea, which is interesting because Judah stands in for Benjamin, right? right. And so Benjamin kind of becomes part of of Judah. And with this reunion, you know, uh, when Joseph met his father, he fell on his neck and wept. You know, you reap what you sow. Remember, Jacob wept on Esau's neck. That's right. So it's like Jacob was probably affectionate. He showed yeah, affection. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. You know, my 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 dad's father, my great or my grandfather wasn't very affectionate. Mm. So my dad said, "You know, I'm going to hug and kiss my children." You know, so my dad was very affectionate, and so that carried over because cool. it was taught. Yeah. So it's something to think about because some people aren't. You know, they're not touchy touchy. You know. Yeah. No touchy. No, no touchy. No touchy. No touchy. So you know, you got to respect people's space. Uh, you know, greet one another with a holy kiss. I'll tell you a story. <laughs> I had somebody approach me and say, why are we doing this? I said, listen, some people are funny about that. Now, I know I, I get it. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'll give you a hug and a kiss and I'll kiss your neck. And, and, and he just was so grateful because he's like, oh, okay, you know. But it's like <laughs> if you see the customs and stuff, we're like kind of funny about it. Oh, yeah. But I'm not because my dad shows affection. So anyway, I mm-hmm. thought that was kind of interesting when you, when you get into these, these different cultures you know, yeah. of uh, touchy, touchy, feely, feely, you yeah, know? Yeah, or like the French, like, mwah, mwah, you know, you kiss each other on both cheeks. Yeah, Jim Gaffigan other. was talking about how he went to Spain, and everybody's touchy, touchy, he goes, quit touching me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you stop, quit touching me. <laughs> like when you're, you're asking for directions, they'll touch your arm. Yeah, yeah. Oh, this is what you do. He's like, yeah. do you have to touch me and give me directions? <laughs> quit touching me. <laughs> so anyway, it's, it's funny. It's, I just had to bring this up, because yeah. it's so relevant for today. Yeah, coronavirus, man. You Don't touch me. No, no touchy. No touchy. <laughs> you know, nowadays it's like you go to shake hands, you're like, ooh. You read this, it's so uh, intimate. Elbow, it's like very you know? emotional. It is. It is. So, um, all right. So we finally have this big moment, this climax, where Joseph finally sees his father again. What a moment this must be for Jacob. And how many years has it been? Oh, it's been at least 22 years. It was 22 years that, yeah. since he's seen Joseph. It could be almost 23 That's at this point. That's unbelievable. I've only been married 21 years. Add another year to that, and wow. then something happens. Wow, wow. That's incredible. 
All right, so Joseph told his brethren that he would go to Pharaoh to tell him that his family are shepherds and wanted them to live in the land of Goshen. Shepherds were considered an abomination to the Egyptians, and this would allow them to be separated. So this is the historical way that the Israelites and the Jewish people have always lived. They've always liked doing things their own way and being separate and distinct, holy and set apart from other people. That's why they survived. Exactly right. And so in in this manner... uh, Joseph is able to facilitate that by giving them a job that is seen as, you know, an abomination right. to the Egyptians. Because later they're going to worship golden calves. Well, and you know what? Yeah, exactly. But you know what's interesting here is that the land of Goshen that later on ends up being a safe haven for them as well and is a protected area. So be, not only are they separate and distinct as individuals culturally, but they're also geographically separated from everyone else, which gives them the ability Livestock to build their own Livestock instead of the fowl of the earth, because, you know, it's like Chick-fil-A, eat more chicken. Yeah. The sponsor like, could be Pharaoh in Egypt. I like beef. Eat more chicken. Eat more beef. You know. I saw a guy yesterday that had three beef, like, bumper stickers. I was like, and there was, like, some feed hanging out the bottom, back of his truck, you know. I was like, that guy must be a... Cattleman, you know, and it's like he really likes. Yeah. Me. Anyway, so these guys were obviously cattle herders. They they That's did right. well with the sheep and everything like that. Um, but I, again, just they were separated from the Egyptians, and that gave them the ability to develop and to grow as a people, separate and apart from the Egyptians, and avoid assimilation. Because the death of any culture is the assimilation into another culture. So. All right, so we're on to chapter 47, um, where Pharaoh wants Joseph's family in Goshen. And so Joseph told Pharaoh that all of his family was in the land of Goshen. Now, again, you know, Joseph was able to pull strings uh, to get this kind of stuff done. And when Joseph presented five of his brethren to Pharaoh and he asked them what was their occupation, they told him they were shepherds. That's right. So this is going right along. Look, hey, listen, we're going to go in there. Which is we're going to get to him, and it's you're going to tell work. him we're shepherds. And they're okay? two years into the famine, too. Right. So right. what favor is that? Well, and, you know, obviously we know that Jacob was an expert shepherd uh, because of all the years that he was with Laban. And so he was able to pass that trade on to um, his sons. And so when Joseph's brethren asked Pharaoh if they could live in Goshen to feed their flocks, he granted them their request and asked them to be rulers over his cattle. He says, you know what? I got this problem right now. I'm going to give you guys my cattle. Go right. ahead and handle that for me That's as well, right. would His you? Because wouldn't it be funny if Pharaoh liked beef, but like nobody else was allowed to have beef? I don't know. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> Who knows, right? Who knows? Egyptian culture is a whole other world. It is. It is. And so what did Jacob do for Pharaoh when he, brought, when he was brought before him by Joseph? He blessed him. Yeah, exactly. He gave right. a blessing. See, are we giving blessings? So think about it. You know, um, Pharaoh is obviously not a servant of Yahweh. But Jacob goes to him, and because Pharaoh was giving his son favor and through his son giving him favor, because it's all at Pharaoh's good graces, right? And so he shows his appreciation by giving a blessing um, to Pharaoh. And, of course, Joseph is married to an Egyptian priest's daughter. Yeah. That, so that'll, that'll, that's a little <laughs> messed up. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a missionary marriage, so to speak. So how old was Jacob when Pharaoh asked him about his age? So he was 130. Okay. So we can work backwards and find out some information, right? Would when, you like to share some of those When Joseph numbers? was born, that means that Jacob would have been 91. Interesting little little tidbit. Um, that makes sense. It does. Because he's 39. Correct. 
Wow, 91. 91. Like Abraham and Sarah. Yeah. Well, that whole and stuff, yeah. Um, another detail to know is that the land of Goshen is also the land of Ramses. Now, um, this is one of those portions of Scripture where clearly the people that were were writing it, right, knew of that area as Ramses. Which is Moses. Right. Yeah. At the time he's writing it. That's but true. But back when it was right. before, it was actually called Geographically else, speaking, right? yeah. And so um, there's a good documentary, if you ever feel like watching one, um, what is it called? It's called... Uh, Patterns? Patterns of Evidence, The Exodus. And it is a great documentary uh, because, you know, from an archaeolog- archaeological standpoint, there's a lot of secular archaeologists that talk against the Exodus being an event because they're like, look, we would have evidence. The other time period messed up. Right. Exactly. So it's, it's a cool <laughs> documentary. You should definitely go check it out. Patterns of Evidence, The Exodus. Um, all right, so there was also no bread in all the land because the famine was so great. So the land of Egypt has been decimated by the famine, and because of the 20% that Joseph had collected over the, the seven years of plenty— The grains are in the storehouse. Storehouse right? has grain. They're in the storehouse, but who owns the storehouse? Pharaoh. Pharaoh owns the storehouse. And who's his prime minister? Joseph. Joseph. That's right. So at this point— um, all the Egyptians ran out of money. And so after they ran out of their money, they gave their cattle, then they gave their horses, their flocks, their herds, and their donkeys for bread. So uh, one of the things that is uh, interesting about what is happening here is that Joseph is very uh, cunning, right? He's very smart. God gave him this revelation to not only get him out of the prison and into Pharaoh's house, but also to consolidate power under Pharaoh. So previously under Pharaoh, everything was set up into like districts. And so Pharaoh was top dog, but it wasn't the same as literally owning all that area. Think about like the United States with states and then having a president. Well, Pharaoh literally consolidates all the wealth and power into his house through what Joseph did because and of God the was preparing Joseph at 17 because he could take care of Pharaoh's house or Potiphar's house. That's right. He could run a, a prison system. Yep. And then, of course, he gets picked to, to lead a government. Yeah. And I, I believe that this is obviously the revelation that God gave him to be able to, to handle these things. And so what two things did the Egyptians give to Pharaoh after giving their cattle for bread? So they give up everything else they have. Their land and themselves, their fields. So they literally give up their property. Their money, livestock, land. And then now themselves. Right. So they put themselves up as bond servants to Pharaoh. And it cons- and themselves, yeah. It consolidates all of the power in Egypt under the Pharaoh. And so Joseph moved the people to the cities from one end of the borders of Egypt even to the other end thereof. Now, what's the purpose in doing that? The guiding of the people, it's it's more uh it's actually a strategy. Well, it's it easier for them to distribute it's what a they strategy have? and it's um it's all about a location. Yeah. You know, what's interesting about that, Ryan, is that when you see this story being played out, you know, COVID-19 hit, right? And now there's no tourism in Israel. Yeah. And now we're getting some emails from some of the Jewish people that say they want to come to the States. Right, right. And visit us and go on speaking engagements and share and about archaeology and all these cool things and promote Judea and Samaria. So I'm thinking, wow, Judah approaches Joseph, is, and Joseph is predominantly in the West. You'll come trembling back from the West, the Bible says. Hallelujah. So if Joseph is the storehouse and we're here, and we're doing what we're supposed to be doing and having our community, how great is it 
to have Judah come, the Orthodox Jews come to our church and share. Yeah. No, it's fantastic. It's amazing. It really is. And see, we have the goods. We have the storehouse. We have the finances. Yeah. Well, it's so I'd we, say that's just so amazing. Well, it's when you have a vision, God gives you provision. Right. So the gathering of the people is what's really important. So God creates circumstances to gather his people. You know, some people get so bent out of shape over this, this COVID-19, but, and I understand that. You know, we've lost, lives have been lost, and yeah, people are still recovering. But I'm telling you, Ryan, um, I live for the promises of God. Hallelujah. And how far can I go with God? And what is he asking of me? You know, uh, I, I actually, my son and I were talking about uh, taking a trip and going to England this last summer. Yeah. Not. Didn't happen. <laughs> you know, there's good ideas and there's God ideas, but there's God's plan. Yeah. So if he's got us here to, to in our congregation, we need to keep that in mind. So if you want to continue yeah. on in the story. But yeah, that, that's interesting, though, you know. I was looking through my pictures on my phone, you know, because you know how your picture app now reminds you of things or whatever. But at the beginning of this year, um, I was, uh, we went to Israel in January. Yeah. You did the pruning and just made it. We just made it in and out of Israel before lockdowns. Perfect uh, timing. And, and the Purim play. Yep. We had the Purim play. Um, my family and I went on several trips in the camper. So I get pictures of that stuff, you know, and reminds me children smiling, me and the wife taking selfies together at places and stuff like that, which was all very cool. Um, all I can say is that 2020, I hear a lot of people like, oh, I wish 2020 was over. This has been a horrible year and this and that. But, you know, I'm very thankful because this, this year has been an awesome year. Um, we've been, we've been protected. We've been healthy. We've been blessed. Um, We're a light. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm just, I couldn't be more thankful to God for, for this. And so it, it reminds me of this, that we're looking at how Joseph was protected by God. Right. And was even reunited with his family. And notice the reunion happens during a famine outside the land of Israel. Yeah. So it's not like we all got to go to Israel to be reunited. Think about it. Negative circumstances. Right. Brought them back together. That if there was no famine, there's no reunion. And so it's God uses these things to to push things and move things around. Cuz it was a worldwide famine. Worldwide. Just like COVID-19 Just is like worldwide. Exactly right. So all right. Um, we were just talking about the consolidation of power and wealth into Pharaoh's house. And so uh, who were the only people that were exempt from selling their land? The priests didn't have to do that. So apparently the, the priests. priests were under Pharaoh's charge, That's so he right. provided them the food without having to sell their Which land. Which is interesting. You know, when you look at the Levitical priesthood, the inheritance for them is the Lord. Yeah. So That's their right. provision is from the Lord. Yeah, in this and, case, uh, this is not the Levitical priests. No, but, Egyptian you know, priests. They're, they're under Pharaoh. And That's so right, thereby, many gods. Yep. So when Joseph gave the Egyptians seed to sow in the land during the increase, he required them to give back a fifth to Pharaoh. Um, now think about it. So now he owns the land and he owns the seed and he owns the people. <laughs> and so they're literally they're working start over. on their behalf and still giving back that Which is 20%. Kind of a reciprocation, though. Yeah. To yeah. keep the government going to yeah, some degree. Absolutely. You know, not a big government, but, yeah. you know, not like today. Right. It makes sense. You know, so were the people grateful for what Joseph had done? They were. So he was a good leader. The power consolidated That's to, right. to the press Joseph loved him. and Pharaoh. The press loved him. Yeah, exactly. The media loved and him. And he was still popular. Yeah, the Egyptian Gazette yeah. comes up. So I want to read the um, the last verse of the Torah portion, which is chapter 47, verse 27. It says this, And Israel dwelt in the land of Egypt, in the country of Goshen, and they had possessions therein and grew and multiplied exceedingly. So at this point, how long are they going to be in Egypt? Uh, well, a grand total of 400 years. Right. 
So why is the story of Judah approaching Joseph so relevant today as we are witnessing the reconciliation of the Jews and the Gentiles, Ryan? Man, what a question. So um, between this Torah portion and the next Torah portion, um, or the next two Torah portions, I should say. next No, the next Torah portion. Yep. Um, we're going to go through kind of some foundational things about identity. Uh, but I think it's important to recognize that we, as Christians, through Yeshua and what he has done, we have been grafted in to the commonwealth of Israel, the house of Israel, a.k.a. Ephraim, a.k.a. the house of Joseph. Pro- all these prophecies in the Bible, Ryan. Right, that all point to this. And so we can uh, make an equivalency between the northern kingdom, the house of Israel, and the southern kingdom, the, the Jewish people, right? And so right now what's happening is the believing Gentiles and the Jewish people are reconciling their differences. There have been many thousands right. of years, right? In the beginning, right, there was negative things done by the Jews to the Christians, the early Christians. And then Boy, did they get the payback, right, from the Christians and the Catholic Church doing horrible things over centuries to them. And so we've got this mutual respect now that's happening that right. really doesn't necessarily belong, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's something that has got to be from the Spirit of God, putting it inside of us, planting the seed of love in our hearts. Because, you know, I, I didn't grow up with, you know, a bunch of Jewish things or Jewish people no. or Jewish customs or anything like that. So what is it that attracts me to these seemingly Jewish things, so to speak, right? Um, really, they're, they're, they're biblical things, but we have so much in common. We have so many things that we can work on together that it's just a shame not to. And so this Judah approaching Joseph is prophetic to what's happening to us today, especially here at Beit Tehillah, because we believe we belong to that house of Joseph as prophesied in Ezekiel. Because we believe we're part of Ephraim and the two sticks are becoming one, we see that this Judah approaching Joseph via Gosh and he approached, we're seeing this happen. The Jewish people that are believe in the land of Israel, they're coming to us being like, wait a second, but you're Christians, but you keep Torah? You know, they see us as like manna, like, what are you? You know, I don't understand this. And they and come. We're, 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 we can be like an association or allies. But what do they want? They want to work together with right. us. They want to have a relationship. They want reconciliation. That's true. And they would consider us righteous Gentiles. Well, whatever they consider well, us. Well, I mean, everyone needs to understand that when uh, the majority of the Jewish people that are practicing their faith would look at us like we're committing idolatry as Christians because Correct. we worship yeah, the yeah, Godhead, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Yep. But we know that's not true for us. No, it's the Godhead. So, you know, the thing is, you know, in closing here, Ryan, um, just mention a little bit about the half Torah in closing here. Okay. So in the half Torah this week, it's uh, Ezekiel chapter 37 verses 15 through 28. And, you know, we were talking about this a little bit last night. This is a big deal. Um, I look at this and I see Ezekiel. Here we go. Ezekiel 37, 15 to 28. Yep. So Ezekiel. It's right there. Yep. And just touch on the, the beginning of this yep. so we can so we can get an understanding. Because before that, in, in the beginning of, of chapter 37 of Ezekiel, is the Valley of Dry Bones. It becomes an exceeding great army. Right. But we need to read on and continue on and, and locate these people or locate this situation. Yeah. And so the prophet Ezekiel uses object lessons. Um, that he's an he's a object lesson prophet. He right. To show people, to illustrate what God is telling him. Um, and God, I mean, it seems like that's how God, you know, speaks to Ezekiel and he's just describing it, um, you know, in, in his words. And so when I first came into this movement, I, 
I caught on to the idea of reading through biblical history and realizing the distinction between Judah and Israel and realizing the distinction of the promises that were given there's to different, different tribes. There's different groups of people. Correct. And reading the Which promises given to uh, you know Joseph about Ephraim, you know, how Jacob crosses his hands, and we'll get into all that next week. And then I understood how the promise was given to Abraham, then to Isaac, then to Jacob, and then to Ephraim, that you would become a multitude of nations. A bunch of different ethnic a groups. A bunch of different ethnic Puerto groups. Puerto Ricans. So then you fast forward. Cubans. And we try to put those together in the New Testament. Like, how does that have anything to do with me? Like, I understand that I'm grafted into Israel, but do I become like a 13th tribe or a 14th tribe, depending on, yeah. you know, how we're calculating this? And, and then you read about how... You know, uh, Paul talks about in Romans 11, verse 25, how we're, you know, we're out, or 11, where we're grafted into the olive tree and how when the fullness of the Gentiles or the, the mixed, you know, the multitude of nations comes in, right, right then all Israel will be saved, right? When right. the blindness is, is lifted sense. and all of these things. So you see all these things, but then yeah. I always had the question that bothered me was, okay, I get it. There's this bloodline of Ephraim. But those people are probably out there somewhere. We don't know who they are. I mean, there's right. theories like British Israelism tries yeah, to come up yeah. with a theory. There's all these theories out there. It's, it's in faith. About a bloodline. But I'm convinced by my reading of the scriptures that the bloodline doesn't matter when no. it comes to Ephraim, when it comes no. to the northern kingdom. going to be a right action. When it comes to those grafted into Israel, it's through Yeshua That's and right. his blood that matters. And so the question always bothered me. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Ephraim, yada, yada, yada. But like, how does that, where, where do I come in? How do I become part of this? And so I believe that this Torah portion and the half Torah have the key. Which is a reading from the prophets. Which, right. Which is Ezekiel. And so the first, the first clue is that, um, is that, is that uh, God tells Jacob when he finds out about Joseph being alive and in Egypt and all that, he tells him that you're going to go into Egypt as a family and you're going to come out of Egypt as a nation. There's a mixed multitude that comes out of Egypt. Right. Right? So it's no longer just a family. Now we have national identity. Right. Israelites, right? And Israel... Goes back to the code of many colors. Identity. Those, a tapestry. Those that believe the way that you believe, that will, will live the way that you live, that want to serve and be in covenant with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's right. Those people, that's the identity of Israel. That's now. what's important. Because there's an the adoption. The major players, yeah. Who are the players? Who are the people? So so I see this process of adoption. But I was like, okay, well, do I have to go through some Jewish conversion and get circumcised? Obviously, the New Testament says no, right? So here's, here's the clues that I got. And I want to read just the first few verses here in this half Torah. It starts at verse 15 of chapter 37 in Ezekiel, and it says, The word of the Lord came again unto me, saying, Moreover, thou son of man, take thee one stick, and write upon it for Judah, and for the children of Israel his companions. Then take another stick and write upon it for Joseph, the stick of Ephraim, and for all the house of Israel his companions. And join them one to another into one stick, and they shall become one in thine hand. Now, this is a mystery of Scripture. This is a miracle. This is a prophecy that we're still waiting, you know, for its fulfillment to That's come right. true, right? And so here's, here's what's cool about it, though. I read this, and I see something that I, I, I had previously not seen. I'd read it, and I was like, man, I don't get it. But I, I get it now. And it says here, the children of Israel, the B'nai Israel. This is the bloodline descendants, right? Which is under the Judean group, the Judah, the tribe of Judah. The natural the, branches. The natural branches, right. And then it says take uh, the stick of Joseph, right? Or take for Joseph the stick of Ephraim, because remember, 
the, the name Israel was given to Ephraim, and for all the house of Israel, his companions. And so I equate this with the commonwealth of Israel as described in Ephesians 2. And what happens? They come together and they become the one new man. But before they can become the one new man, they first have to come together. Which is an interesting point. It is an interesting point. And you show it to the enmity away from the Jew and the Gentile. Why do we keep putting it back up? <laughs> I don't know exactly right. I mean, that's what's funny to me is I read these things and I know that there's other interpretations that mainstream Christianity has come up with. Which don't make sense. They don't, but only because I live this today. I'm right. living. We are. You know, watching people say like, oh, why do you do and those we don't Jewish have to try things? To, we're not or, trying to be Jewish. We're not no, Jewish. No, 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 no. Well, and that's just it. We have to educate them that, hey, look, we're part of that's Israel. Right. Okay. They're, they're doing a lot of things right. And maybe they've got some things wrong. Guess what? We've got some things right, and maybe we've got some things wrong. This is the reason for the coming together, because we complete one another when we really come together. And it's exciting to talk about this. Well, and we'll become, what will we do? We will appoint one head, right? Yeshua, the Messiah, over us. And so all Israel will be saved. And so that's what's exciting about this, is that when you realize that, hey, we getting our identity and being joined together and reconciling with the Jewish people is one step closer That's to right. seeing our coming mutual king, respect. you know, set up his kingdom on earth. That's right. Hallelujah. I can't get How more excited awesome about How awesome is that? It is great. Good stuff. Feels good. Drop right. the pencil. That's it. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, eat some chocolate, right? <sighs> yeah. Wow. I mean, I thank you for bringing that up. I You want to close us out in prayer for, and for this great reunion of Judah and Israel? God, thank you. Thank you. We are so grateful, Lord. We just have so much to be grateful for, that we get to be, you know, not just witnesses to your prophecies coming to pass, but willing participants to your will being done in the earth, God. And so let us be willing vessels. Fill us up with your Holy Spirit that we might see what you want us to see, hear what you want us to hear, say what you want us to say, and do what you want us to do, that we would be willing and able, equipped, anointed, appointed, and equipped for your purposes, God. We want to see the reconciliation and the regathering of the whole house of Israel. We want to see the Jewish people prosper. We want to see your kingdom come to earth. We want to see your sons plant his feet on the Mount of Olives, Lord and set up his kingdom in the earth, and we want to be part of that. May it be in our lifetime, God. May we merit that. We love you, and we thank you, and we praise you in the name of your Son, Yeshua HaMashiach, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Amen. 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 All right, guys, thank you so much for listening. What a great tour portion. I hope you guys got something out of it. Um, thank you again Woo-hoo! to our friends from Norway. Woo-hoo! What an exciting gift we received. Um, we love you guys. Bless you guys. Have a great week.